0: It's Gardening Talk back on to a new RFM. Now, Scott, you mentioned earlier, autumn's just around the corner.
1: It is. It is. You can feel it just a little bit as you wake up in the morning now. It's starting to get a little bit more fresh in the morning. It is, and it's quite pleasant. Like It's nice to wake up without that sort of, you know, you feel like you've been in, in the a sauna, sauna yeah. all night. We, we did that together. Oh, yeah, almost. We almost jinxed each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were better not jinx each other because then we, someone can't talk to someone says our name. That's true. So it's... We'd need someone to call up and say one yeah. of our names to make it all better for us. Exactly. Yeah. Ask us a question, for instance. Yeah. But yeah. you do have some tips, though. Yes, I do have some tips. Uh, look, it is autumn. Those uh, leaves are going to start dropping from the deciduous tree soon. And most people go, oh, I don't want leaves all over the garden. Yeah. And look, obviously, you don't want them all over the lawn because they start to, you know, shade the, shade the lawn. The lawn goes backwards and uh, you start to get fungal diseases in under there as they rot. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, don't just rake them up and stick them in on the old green waste bin and and send them off out to to Summer Hill, there's better things to do with them. You can actually rake them up and use them as mulch because that's what nature... Intended, you know, for deciduous yep. trees to do. you know, They'd actually drop on the, on the ground underneath the trees and break down and feed up uh, the plant that was underneath and give it some more nutrient. And uh, look, equally, you can break those up and spread them around the rest of the garden. If you want to compost them, uh, you could do that in a composter and uh, just break them down that way and add other stuff to them and then spread them around the garden. So, yeah, deciduous trees, uh, you know, don't go and uh, throw it away. Reuse it as a natural mulch in your garden. Oh, happy day. So yeah. we'll have a couple more tips for us later on. We'll keep on. And, uh, plugging some of those in. Tipping away. Yes. It is guarding talkback. If you
0: have any questions, 49216216. And we have got Angela from Curry and she's got a question about passion fruit. How can we help you, Angela?
2: Hi, good afternoon to you both. I have uh, quite a large passion fruit vine, which I've had a fair amount of fruit from well, at least 200. They've now started um, flowering, and I've got more fruit.
1: Yes, it's pr- they're probably flowering at the wrong time of year for uh, you. Yeah, to ripen up.
2: Um I've actually got fruit on there, and they're growing at an enormous rate. And I'm thinking, no, well, hang on, I don't
1: think this is right. Uh, look you you, obviously doing all the right things with your passion fruit. For all those people that uh, that call up, we should just give them your phone number straight away, and <laughs> actually, you can just well, tell. You know.
2: Actually, I don't do a thing.
1: Uh, well, so you can't <laughs> I, actually. I,
2: I, I, I prune it a lot.
1: Okay, but you can't divulge the secret of what you're doing then?
2: I don't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) I just keep an eye on um, uh, when it sort of grows. I've got it over a um, a shed, so I sort of train it and um, I keep an eye on it. And when the fruit, sort of when I've had the fruit, I will basically go through and pull all the fruit off that is about to ripen and just just look after it that way, you know, mm. just make sure that uh, it's all nice and tidy but it, so it won't actually
1: ripen the fruit Look, the fruit will really just sort of sit on there now, it's like I, I, I grew a pineapple, my daughter wanted a pineapple desperately so we grew a pineapple on our front veranda and it's only, it's tiny, tiny but it's starting to ripen up now and I know that it's not going to, to ripen yeah. up properly now as it gets cooler and I think it's the same thing with your passion fruit you've got some beautiful big fruit on there by the sounds of things but as yeah. it gets cooler and Cooler. They're not going to ripen up because you need the sun and the warmth to do that. So
2: is it worth my while just taking them off if they're um, they just there or leave them until next
1: season? Yeah, look, you might you might as well start taking them off. you find they'll probably rot over winter. Um, look, yeah. leave, leave a few on there if you want just to see what happens, um, you know, perhaps up in the warmest spot, maybe on the top of the shed, uh, yep. if you can do that, just where they're going to get the most sun and see if they ripen up okay for you. But the rest of them, you might as well pull them off and just sort of reduce the stress on the plant a little bit.
2: Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. The only other thing I was going to talk about was lavenders I've, i plant i 've lost about five lavenders because of all this rain mm-hmm. and it was Italian lavender whereas the french French lavender is a lot hardier
1: oh, well. Yes, I guess it is probably the oldest uh, sort of lavender, and it's the most aromatic, certainly, the French. Uh, a lot of the new Italians, they've been actually bred here in Australia, uh, so yeah. they actually are more resistant to the humidity that we get. Uh, yes, yeah, so... but they're the
2: ones that I've lost.
1: Oh, I've, are lost, they? <laughs> I've
2: lost five of them, one after the other, whereas the French oh, perfect.
1: Oh, that's no good. So, look, you can use, uh, fungicides on them like copper oxychloride, and you can spray preventatively if you want to, especially yeah. around these humid months to try and keep them under control. Uh, look, the French is, like I said, it's really aromatic. Probably doesn't flower as well as the Italians do.
2: No, um, it, do- it does. The, the French, um, I do a lot of, uh, um, lavender, you know, and put it in little bags, organza bags, and I find that the French is the best out of the
3: lot, yeah.
2: even, even for the English, even for, Italian, and um, I've also got a white lavender which um, it's just sort of gone berserk, so it's right by the passion fruit. And I've learnt <laughs> at some point that uh, it was a companion plant to the passion fruit.
1: Uh, or, or I think you might have a dead body or something buried there near that passion fruit that those those plants are feeding on.
2: <laughs> that could be, could be. be. Alright,
4: okay, thanks for your help.
1: Okay, not a problem. If only only the French could make Formula One cars like the Italians. If only. If only. That's a nice get-out too there, Scott. Very
0: happy with that. It's guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Brian from Spears and He's got a bit of a mystery for us, as something seems to be eating his mango tree leaves.
1: Tell us about it, Brian.
4: There's some uh, gray and brown marks on the leaves on both trees, and they're only 6 to 12 months old. I just wondered what I could spray them with to see what it is.
1: So when you say marks, are they just like sort of spots coming on the leaves and then getting bigger and dying off?
4: Well, it's like a, a grey mark and then it does brown.
1: Mm. Look, uh, the, uh, mangoes can get a thing called anthracnose, which is a fungal disease, and you have to use uh, mancozeb plus on those to try and keep it under control. Uh, you also do that when the the flowers are blossoming as well because it can go down through into the fruit. Uh, so, look, that sounds like it, what it's going to be with your mango. Give it a spray with a, a fungicide, mate, and see if, see if you can keep it under control. All right. Thank you, right. Okay, not a problem. Thanks for that, Brian. Have a good day. Now, Scott, you mentioned a few tips earlier about...
0: Autumn coming around the corner, what you can do. Yep, we'll count them off the fingers as we go through
1: the hour. Rightio. Okay, and tip number two. Tip number two. Tip two. We should have a jingle for this. We should have a jingle or a little <laughs> drum roll at least, but uh, I think we've probably gone past that now. Uh, look, it's been terrible for summer annuals. Uh, it's just been hot. It's been yep. raining. It's been hot again. It's been rainy again. So they just haven't done too well this year. It's a bit like the old tomato. They haven't done too well this year in summer either, so it's probably time to to sort of whip them out of the bed and uh, start again yep. with your autumn and winter annuals, so time to do that now. Uh, you can remove those uh, and start feeding up your soil with poultry manure and an all purpose plant food. You can use one of the pelletized ones or you can just use a you know one of the ones in a packet if you want to, but definitely with the poultry minute because that's the sort of uh, manure and alkalinity that the plants that you're going to put in uh, for winter like. So it, look, it's a great time to do that right now because as I said, summer ones, they're just looking absolutely terrible. Uh, and yeah, I guess it's still a bit humid, a little bit hot last couple of days. So if you've got a lay period in your garden of you know a week or two weeks, now is the ideal to, time to do it. And of course, if you want to, you can plant out uh, pansies, stocks, primula, poppies. They're usually planted on Anzac Day. Um, but again, if you're going to manure, you have to leave your garden for a week. You can't, you know, stick that fresh manure in there and go okay. and put a new seedling plant Why in there because the little roots will go, ha ha, yes, I'm in the ground. Thank you very much, and they'll spring out into the soil, yep. and all of a sudden they'll be f- headlong into this terrible hot manure, yeah. oh. and, and they'll just suck it up, and it'll just sort of burn the plant out from the inside. It's like it's dipping your toe into lava oh, okay. for a plant. Yeah, yeah. That's very dramatic. Yeah, and I think if the plant put its root into lava it'd be even worse. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Actually during the weekends, mowed the lawn because my grass was starting to get mm-hmm. well the rain we've had, a bit mm-hmm. out of control. Yeah, up around the knees? Not that high. Okay. Ankle length, is that the time to do it? Yeah, probably just okay. above the ankle. Yeah. I'd say. But anyway, um, going through, there was I thought it was a weed. It ended up being a, there's some sort of tomato plant growing in the middle of the lawn. Oh, fantastic. Did, so did you I, I didn't go over the top, no. I carefully <laughs> Motor around it.
1: So there's like a little oasis for a
0: tomato plant in yeah. the middle of your lawn. So I'm not sure if it's worth keeping or digging out.
1: Look, it, it probably isn't because the lawn... The, <laughs> the Sorry, i, I to dash your hopes against the rocks so quickly on that. Oh, well. I should have strung you out at least until, you know, one o'clock or something and yeah. then broken the bad news for you. I'm going to be crying off for the next half hour. No, you will be, <laughs> but uh, look, it, the, there's two reasons it's not going to work very well. It's because you stick uh, a plant in the middle of the lawn like that and the lawn is fantastic at su- sucking up nutrients and moisture so if you were to have a dig around not much would actually be getting down into the root system of that plant and tomatoes are pretty heavy feeders so they do need to be fed and watered really regularly yep. the other thing is mate it's like angela's uh passion fruit up there in curry curry that uh, as it gets into winter, you're not going to get the ripening effect on yeah. any tomato that you might get coming out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, the best bet for you, if you want to grow some tomatoes at this time of year, is the, you know, the little cherry tomatoes, little yep. tiny toms. Uh, just stick them in a, in a pot or you know, in the ground somewhere where you've got a spare space. Uh, near Angela's passion fruit, probably. <laughs> They're going to grow pretty well there, I reckon. And uh, they just let them ramble over the ground. Okay. Don't worry about staking uh, you know, the cherry tomatoes. Just let them ramble all over the ground, and they'll do an absolutely stellar job for you.
0: Oh, happy days. Yeah, so... easy
1: to look after. They will ripen for you in winter, and uh, yeah, you'll be able to make, make me a very nice salad for Monday morning. Wow, good times. Yes. It's all about you, though, isn't it? Well, it's not all about me. It's often about, it's 50%
0: about you. <laughs> true, true. It was my question. <laughs> so I should dig it out, or? Uh, look,
1: just mow over it.
0: Okay, Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that's easy, isn't it? That's great fun.
1: Yeah, okay. Give it a couple of weeks until you mow again and see what happens. If it's, uh, be, if it's out in the front of the field and it's way up above, uh, you know, and you can't get the mower, lift the mower up on top of it to, to actually mow it down, leave it there, see what happens. Oh, must be a nice little feature tree out front of the house.
0: Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It could be. We've got Beverly from a Raymond Terrace, and she's got a naval orange tree whose oranges are split.
1: That doesn't sound good, Beverly. Tell us a little bit about it.
3: Um, well, actually, it's only um a couple have fallen off and just they've just got a split in them and mm. going moldy.
1: Oh, that doesn't sound good.
3: No, it doesn't, but it's um, it does get beautiful oranges, and um it's covered with green oranges.
1: Oh, that that's that is a good sign. Look, the the reason uh, oranges often go like that and split is due to the weather conditions. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, it it just mean it can be like tomatoes when you get you know a, a lot of rain and then it's dry and then a lot of rain. So all of a sudden the plant's sucking up heaps and heaps of water and it's got nowhere to go. It goes into the fruit where you sort of want it to go anyway. So you get a nice juicy orange and heaps of orange juice. And uh, if it just, if the plant can't handle that sudden influx of water, the rind actually just splits on it. Uh, Look, that is. it can naval oranges can be a little bit uh, sort of weak in in that regard, um, but look, there's nothing you can really do about it, unfortunately, except for I guess making sure that the watering of the plant is consistent. And I know if you've got a large uh, plant in the garden, that's a little bit difficult to do. You just have to put up with what we get, uh, you know. And it has been extremely hot, and you know the plants they're furiously going. I need water, I need water, and then we get heaps of rain. And it just sucks that water up so quickly that it splits the fruit. So hopefully okay. for the oranges you've got on there, uh, the green oranges, uh, mm-hmm. that you know things start to settle down a little bit uh, for it, and you'll just get some nice oranges coming off it.
3: Yeah, thank you. Oh yes, they're beautiful oranges.
1: Excellent. What do you do with them? Sorry. What do you do with them? Make orange juice or?
3: <laughs> I eat them and give them away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll have to call past your place. <laughs>
3: Oh, yes. Um, I'm sorry, too, to bother you. Yes. Um, but I've got a magnolia tree,
1: and it's got uh, moss on the trunks. Moss on the trunks, has it?
4: Yeah. Okay, or, look, that's... Or that, mould. Mould. mould.
1: That's all right. You can get a, a fungicide. Uh, go to your local garden centre and just say you just need a fungicide of some sort. Uh, you know, yes. usually copper spray is the best one to get. You might already have some in the garage. And uh, you can mix that up and just spray that over the, pla- uh, over the uh, trunk of the plant. Uh, if you want to, you can just make up sort of a bit of a paste and uh, sort of get a paintbrush and paint it over there as well, and that'll keep any, um, you know, fungal spores or mould or moss getting on the trunk of the plant for you. Yeah, it's
3: covered, actually, a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. okay,
1: so give that a try. Give it a spray first and uh, maybe mm-hmm. you know, follow up again in a couple of weeks' time.
3: Fungicide. Yeah. All right, Thanks, a co- thank a you very spray. much.
1: Thanks very much, <laughs> Beverly. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. We've got John from
0: Waratah, Warrant- and his neighbour's carnation buds are disappearing. Oh, it could be someone
1: needing a corsage for a wedding, perhaps, John. How can we help you, mate?
4: Well, uh, my neighbour, Lorraine, is. Um, I was at a place walking past yesterday, and she's complaining about the buds on the carnations are disappearing. The shell is still there, and she thinks it might be grasshoppers. So what's your opinion, Scott?
1: Yeah, look, the grasshoppers are very, 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 very bad at the moment. I was sitting at work last weekend and they were actually sitting there eating portulaca flowers and uh, when you squash them, they uh, came out with the colour of the flower, which is all very interesting. But uh, So they are really bad. There's teeny, tiny little ones at the moment. They're very, very hungry uh, because they want to turn into big grasshoppers. So they're eating anything that comes along. So, mate, I would not be putting it, uh, you know, past grasshoppers to be eating carnation buds. Uh, most certainly not. Uh, look, if you Want to, the only thing you can really do with uh, grasshoppers is use a product called Carbryl. Uh It's a contact insecticide, uh, but unfortunately, you have to actually see, you know, be able to see the grasshoppers and when you give it a spray, hit them. It's not something you can spray and it just sort of sits there on the plant and gets rid of the insect when it comes along later. Uh, so that one's called carbrol, but it is a contact insecticide. Uh, look, and they are yes, typically...
4: used quite often on army grubs. Uh, yes,
1: yeah, that was the old way to get rid of army grubs. Yeah, I remember that. They're successful too. Yeah, it looks cer- certainly is um, a good way to get rid of army grubs. But, uh, look, getting rid of ca- other caterpillars and your, and your grasshoppers, is going to be the way to go. So, mate, if you've got some in the garage, uh, mix up a brew according to the instructions, and uh, go and give your uh, neighbours' uh, uh, carnations a bit of a spray for and see if you can get it under control.
4: Okay, so the grass, Scott, is the grasshopper just um, nipping in the corner of the bud and
1: taking a whole lot? Oh, look, I would think they'll be just having a bit of a chomp at anything that's nice and fresh and tasty for them. Oh, Yeah. Oh, look, I, like I said, I saw them actually sitting on portulacca flowers, eating the flower, and I've never, ever seen them do that before.
4: Just as so I was a
1: coconut tree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay. okay,
4: thank you.
1: Okay, you have a good afternoon, John. Bye bye, thanks. Bye bye.
0: Cheers, John, it is Gardening Talk back on two and you are a fam. If you have any questions, four nine two one six two one six and we've got Sylvia from Bonnells Bay, and she's got a question about her gardenia. How can we help you,
1: Sylvia? Um,
2: I had someone helping me in the garden on Saturday and I asked him to dig out its. A, a or about a foot high gardenia, yes. and put it in a pot for me. And when I went out onto the garden, the next mo- uh, the veranda the next morning, there's all tiny little black spots all the way around it.
1: Right? Are they all all over the leaves? When you're saying black spots all around it.
2: I- on the floor, I didn't really look at the leaves, to be quite uh, honest. But yes, there is on the bottom ones, but I thought it might have been the soil,
1: uh, being. Okay, so look, it sounds like there has been some sort of insect on there, and you know, sort of unbeknownst to you, when it's been out in the garden, it's been lurking around there on the on the gardenia for you. But once you put it up there in the pot and on the on the concrete, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, you know those insects are is it like are they dead insects or is it insect poo on your uh, veranda? I have no
2: <laughs> idea. It's Just little black spots
1: but a lot of them. A lot of them, okay. Well, it it sounds quite like it is, um, you know, the old excrement of the insect, unfortunately. Uh, And so I would be getting some sort of uh, insecticide, probably pyrethrum. That's a nice, safe one to use around the house. And uh, just give that a spray and see if you can get rid of whatever insect it is on there.
2: Thank you very much. Not a problem. There's no particular brand would.
1: No, just just get a pyrethrum-based insecticide and give it a go with that, Sylvia. Thank you. Okay, you have a good afternoon. Bye. Thank you, bye-bye.
0: How do you tell the difference between dead insects and insect excrement?
1: I, d- I don't know that, but I, I'm thinking that there's no good reason for the insects to have, have died just because they got moved up on onto the veranda. That yep. She must have just been unaware of what was happening around her gardenia when it was in the ground, and now that she's got it up on there on her fresh, clean veranda... She's all of a sudden aware of what's happening. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my way of thinking on that one. Fair enough. I yeah. thought there might have been a way you could tell the difference. You just need to mind map me after every question, don't you, to yeah. see <laughs> how I've come up with the answer? <laughs> it might be scary,
0: though. Pretty much, pretty much, just to make sure that you're 100% truth. Okay. Right, it's Gardening Talk back on 2 are at FM. We've got Glenn from North of Rothbury. He's got a question about slaters.
1: Glenn, they're those cute little hey. things that curl up in the garden, aren't they?
4: Oh, thanks, Scott. Yeah, we just planted a lot of young seedlings for um, her winter crops. Last year we did the same thing and the slaters then would just mowed them off a of ground level. Mm-hmm. And we've got this thing called slater killer. Um, it's like a crystal sort of a shake thing you're supposed to sprinkle on the ground where they are. I'm uh, just a bit hesitant to use it. I just wonder how it would go with earthworms and... Um, like beneficial bugs
1: in the garden. Yeah, but look, that, that's the trouble when you sort of start going and spreading, uh, you know, little granular insecticides around like that. That the chances yep. are other insects are going to come along, you, you know, at night and have a feast on it as well. Uh, sure. So look, that that is a difficult thing to uh, to think about. Uh, have you tried? Uh, yes, yeah, look, the snail and slug killers, they're not going to really do anything for you either. Uh no. the, the only other thing I could think to do for you, mate, is to, you know, make up some sort of little, um, you know, to try and contain it in some way around the plant. So, you know, you think that only the slaters are going to get it, but that's a really difficult one to do, unfortunately, because, you know, any, you know, worms and stuff are going to be able to move around and get it. So, uh, look, mate, yeah. if, if you're going to do it, just use it sparingly and uh, hope that you don't, uh, you know, take out too many beneficial bugs in friendly fire.
4: Yeah, we've got a, uh, a lot of plastic drink bottles that I've sort of cut in sections mm-hmm. got to make tubes, and I've put those over the, the young plants. I don't know if they crawl up them or not, but... Yeah. Um, do, look, is there anything else that like a barrier or anything we could use to
1: look, I, th- I think that's look that's probably the best and most ingenious idea um, to get rid of the old uh, clear drink bottles as well and make them uh, yeah. make them good because I actually was watching the news last night and just how bad the, the clear plastic drink bottles are for our environment yeah, sure that they, yeah, yeah. they just clog up the waterways and the mangroves and stuff and... they're in plastic straws as well oh really I didn't know yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. really bad yeah certainly over at, uh, over at Carrington in the mangroves the, the plastic bottles are, are quite bad over there so I think you're probably Come up with a great idea to use in there, Glenn. And uh, I I can't see a slater sort of climbing up, uh, you know, the outside of one of those plastic drink bottles because they are quite slippery. And I reckon that's probably a good way to get your plant going. Look, slaters are beneficial for the the environment as well uh, because what they're doing is they're breaking down, uh, you know, a lot of that organic matter and turning it into, you know, I guess fertilizer for your garden in a way. So as long as, you know, you can get your plants past that stage, uh, you you know, we'll sort of welcome them back in, I guess.
4: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. Okay.
1: Not a problem. Thanks for that, Glenn. All
4: right, Jeez, bye.
1: Bye.
0: Now, Scott, we've already done a couple of tips
1: already, but you've got a few more tips to go. Yes, I'll put my glasses, my reading glasses, glasses down on. the end of my nose, so I can see properly up close now. You need bifocals. I do need that. I might be off to the optometrist this week. I reckon <laughs> it's getting worse and worse. Uh, look, it really is time to plant uh, cabbages and cauliflowers now, early, yep. you always get them in nice and early because that makes you know, make sure you get good cropping uh, with those. The other thing I want to talk about as well uh, are spring bulbs. They're usually available now for purchase. It's always a good time to get in now and choose early so you can get the choice of colour that you want because uh, you know, often people come in and buy, 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 and you can't. You know, you're stuck with you know sort of some awful colour that you don't yep. want in a tulip or the other bulb colours, like so magenta or something. The magenta. So if you want your whites and your pinks and stuff, time to get in now. Uh, look, it is unnecessary to plant before May. Not you don't have to get them in that uh, in this early because you get them in now. It still can be quite warm, and uh, the bulb won't grow properly. Now, bulbs like tulips and hyacinths, they need to go into the fridge crisper for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, and that's to trick. Them into thinking that it's actually really cold before you plant them. Well, that's a bit clever. Yeah, it is. So you make them think that we're in Northern Europe, and then off they go. <laughs> It's, uh, look when you do plant though, Add some bulb food uh, You can do this on planting You can do it when the uh, plant comes out of the ground On emergence And again when the foliage is dying down That's actually really important to do that uh, Because you're actually feeding the bulb up For next year by doing that So as the bulb, as the foliage starts to die down It's feeding back into the bulb So it's important to do it at that time Look the other thing you can do uh, At the moment uh, Because it's cooled off a bit You can divide those perennials Like uh, agapanthus Which might be a bit overcrowded Clavias, uh iris violets you can give them a bit of a split at the moment because uh you know it's a good time to do it because there'll still be some growth for them to spread back out for winter and uh you know they won't die off you wouldn't do them a couple of weeks ago when it's been too hot uh, so perfect period of time to go and split your perennials and get them back in the ground now
0: very good so they're your tips for that's my tips good we've tips. counted them off what was it four? I think it was four, four or five. I might have got them to then. Right, I think you, I think you rattled off a few right at the end. I think I might have, yeah. And we've got Lynn from Gresford, and she wants to know how if you can prune kangaroo
1: paw. Hey, Lynn.
4: Good day.
1: Oh, uh, the answer to that is yes. You can actually prune kangaroo paw. You got a lot of them there at your place.
4: A, f- a few. Yeah. Um. I was just. I read in a book that you do. Yes. Um, the the stalk. To how far down
1: would you go? So you're actually talking about pruning off the flower or the actual plant?
4: Um, but, but that was the flower. Right. It's, it's um, dead and gone now. Yeah,
1: so you can prune that right back down into the, into the bush if you want to. You know with kangaroo paws, you can actually prune them with the shears right back to the ground if you want to. Or,
4: or... Oh, right. I was just a bit frightened to...
1: No, no, no. Or you can even, if, look, if you're really feeling, you know, a bit mean and tough, you could get the hedger or the whippersnipper out if you wanted to. No, thanks. No. <laughs> and you could <can> actually go <laughs> around and, and, and prune it right back because it, what, what there is with a kangaroo paw is there's actually like a rhizome in under the soil and it would just shoot back. I've actually heard of people getting the kangaroo paw plant and actually sort of yanking at it and pulling all the old bits out. And then the fresh uh, you know, shoots come from the rhizome in underneath. So, look, yeah, don't, don't be concerned about your old kangaroo paw if you want to. Uh, you can give it a very good hard prune back. If you want to get tough, you can use the whippersnipper.
4: Right. I'll do that then without the whippersnipper. <laughs> yeah, we had a beautiful display this year, earlier this year.
1: That's fantastic, oh, you know what I do. I'd get oh, some of I get some of those real kangaroos to come in and give it a prune up there at Gresford's, because no doubt you've got a few <laughs> up
4: there um yeah, well, I'm right in town um if you were at Vasey and just out of town, yes, you would see a lot of uh kangaroos, <laughs> yeah. but not where I am
1: okay, well, thanks very much for
4: that, Lynn. Thank you. Okay. Bye.
0: We'll hear the whippersnapper fire up, up there at Gressford. No doubt. Yes. No doubt. Okay. We've got time for one more. Steve from Archerton, and he wants to comment about Cabral.
1: Hey, Steve, how can we help you?
4: Uh- my friend, how are you doing? I like, was well. just uh, interested in why you were spruiking carbol, and it's one of the deadliest
1: poisons on earth. Yeah, look, that's why I, 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 that's why I usually don't spruik it. Uh, but for grasshoppers, it really is about one of the only things that's left uh, there to use. Unfortunately, uh, certainly I, you can't use it on edible plants. Uh, so that's look, I, I don't spruik it. Um, I only will mention it when there's uh, grasshoppers in the mix and, and uh, non-edible plants. Unfortunately.
4: Oh yeah, well that an answers my question.
1: Yeah, so I'm it's, sorry uh, about sorry about that, yep. mate. I, I look, you know, I, usually people vouch for me. I'll try and go for the uh, the, the least uh, invasive poison possible. Uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, with those with grasshoppers, uh, they're tough little buggers.
4: It also kills bees. And, uh, yeah, and you might you might know it was the uh, uh, carbol, uh, production of carbol was the cause of uh, the verb disaster in India. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so.
1: So, look, it's not, it's not available as readily as it was anymore, and certainly uh, uh, the uses on the instructions on the MSDS are very, very much reduced. And, uh, and again, like I said, uh, you know, if you're there, you can, if you're going to spray, you know, you can see the grasshoppers around, you spray those grasshoppers and, uh, you know, only use it at that time. Rightio, yeah, Scott, that's
0: all we've got time for Gardening talk back today. Okay, thank you very much. No worries. And if you do want to ask, Scott, any other questions, you can email us at gardening at com.